0: And whether, you, whether you call it a life group or a small group or whatever, that's the aspect that I think is more important. If, I, if you can develop two or three close friendships that support you, um, that you can depend on for the rest of your life or their life, that's to me is, is, is the target, the goal of, of discipleship.
1: This is the HBIC Podcast, our discipleship weekly, where we talk with folks from HBIC and dig into the practical side of following Jesus in their lives. I'm Ryan Cagno. This week I sat down with Jay Mumper and we kind of had an inside baseball chat about discipleship and what that looks like in the church and different components to it. Um, The problem with small groups, the blessing of small groups, uh, pretty wide ranging um, and deep on that subject. I really enjoyed it. I think you will enjoy it too. Jay's a great guy. Um, Yeah, so enjoy Discipleship Weekly well welcome I wanted to talk to you specifically we we get together semi regularly and talk about discipleship and leadership and kind of the church and all these different things um, you have a lot of history thinking about those kind of things doing those kind of things in the church um, you've been involved in inner varsity yep yes. Yep. That's the main kind of thing in, in your younger years that you were heavily yeah. involved in. Right? I, was, I I actually
0: came to faith in young as part of Young Life. Okay. In a, in a junior high ministry, as involved with Young Life, volunteered for Young Life. Then I when I was in then I was in school and then I, I started in, in, uh, going to university at school. Um. Went to work at an university training center in Northern Michigan. Cedar Campus, which no longer exists. Uh,
1: upper Peninsula, or upper part Pen- of the, Upper Peninsula uh, of Michigan. Okay. Um, a Uper.
0: One, of, and I was, I was, uh, I was lucky. I got there early, so I got to be the, the boss of a of a construction site, um, <laughs> and. Uh, had several people working for me. I was, I was younger than most people that were there at that point in time. I was still 19.
1: What was it about university that kind of, um, drew you in to be involved at that stage of your life?
0: Um, I had been involved with young life Bible studies. There were Bible studies on campus at school. Um, I actually became a Bible study leader and, uh, it was an experience where I, you know, I I already had had a lot of leadership experience. I was involved in Boy Scouts as a kid, and for some reason, I came to leader leadership leadership skills came to me very easily. So, I was I was able to get people to do things, organize things, think about that. Um, so that part of it, I, I kind of had in learning the relational part of discipleship and and. Mentoring and being a friend that cares about somebody uh, and wants wants to help them grow up uh, was was something I learned but appreciated.
1: What and the the ministry that you did at at with interVarsity was I assume very relational. So you're doing um, Bible studies. What what more than that were you doing? Well, books?
0: you know, it, when I was when I was a student, I was primarily doing leading Bible study and going to uh, it, university. Has at least at the time, the terminology was small groups and large group. Large group was like a group worship and teaching, usually weekly. Um, and so I, I didn't really have a role in the large group part. I was just doing a, a, what they call an evangelical Bible study, which was basically go around and ask people in your dorm if they want to do this. And if they do, go for it. And I did. And that's what I, that's what I did. Um, when, I, then, and when I Then when I was no longer at school, I went to Cedar campus and I worked there for a summer. I came back home and I went and worked in a lab <laughs> At a college for two and a half years, then I went back. I, I had gone back, and one of my friends who had been at Cedar Campus became the manager at Cedar Campus. He was older than me, um, but I, you know, he, he asked me if I'd come be his assistant manager. And, and there, and Cedar Campus was a massive place—six hundred acres, three large campsite areas, um, all in the water. You know, five miles of waterfront. All around, big peninsula, and um, a bay. So I ran one of the sites, and um, so my and my also my job was, um, and the thing that's interesting is this. This is kind of what gave me a distaste for the the kind of ephemeral small group strategy. Cedar Campus had st- had summer crew. That came for six weeks eight weeks ten weeks whatever and then left Um, and so the trick was find a leader who's going to be here for a while and then kind of put people that are on the same site together in a small group knowing that there's going to be constant turn and so there was teaching but there wasn't a lot of intimacy there wasn't a lot of relational bonding in the groups they were just kind of i felt in retrospect checking a box they were they were involved in fellowship but they weren't really involved it was very it was hard to develop close relationships when you know the person you're getting to know is going to leave in two months um so but you know it, it also mirrored the college experience in some ways it was very much like you know you're going to college you're you're there for a semester you go home for break you come back and you're there for another semester and then everybody's gone Mm -hmm. um and next year they're not living in the same place some of them graduated some of them quit whatever um so that it's it it mirrored that but i i I think i think that i don't that, that was kind of gave me like i said that distaste for the the short relationship times
1: yeah not at the risk of jumping too far ahead, it's interesting that even in the church setting, in a church setting where you wouldn't naturally need to structure things that way, you still end up with the same type of small group, and in fact, sometimes we'll call them semester based mm-hmm. small groups, yep. <laughs> even though it's yep. comprised of adults and not college students
0: yeah it's and it's what's what's hard about that is i mean there's there's it's a mixture of strategies right it's a strategy of we want everybody involved in something that gets them to know people, and you get to know more people if you churn every every year or every six months, right? So, so th- th- you expand the number of non intimate relationships. On the other hand, um, I see, a, I see, I I tend to think that there's more value in. I'm going to be your friend and I'll be available to you no matter what happens. So when a friend of mine, there was a couple that we were friends with in a small group from yikes, 30 something years ago right, that we, we were, in a, we were doing Bible studies with, with them and a few other people. We more, some people came in, but, um, That couple the, the i got a i got a call on a on a saturday morning i knew dave the husband had had um some problems they thought he had prostate cancer he was having 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 problems and they, they admitted him to the hospital and i got a call from his wife on a saturday morning and it was can you come to the hospital right now i turned around in the parking lot and drove home i drove back drove to the hershey med and I got there in time to sit with Natalie while the doctors told her he's not going to survive the morning. Uh, he had, it turned out he had undiagnosed pancreatic cancer because his insurance company wouldn't let him get an MRI, um, so he passed away then. But but if I hadn't had that relationship and she didn't know she could call me, that would have been that would have been something that wasn't an option for her. She would have had to deal with it. By herself, so so that's 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 why I see I I see kind of lifelong relationships serving a huge role in discipleship and Christian life, Um, and whether whether you call it a life group or a small group or whatever, um, so that's that's the aspect that I think is more important. If if you can develop two or three close friendships that support you um that you can depend on for the rest of your life or their life that's to me is 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 the target the goal of of discipleship because then you have somebody who sees it all they see the raw emotion they're there to help you You have fun with them you know that what they like what they do what they you know um so it's just it's part of that long-term view of, of relationships so anyway.
1: No, not anyway. I mean that's I mean that's <laughs> very relevant to what I want to ask you yeah. about. Yeah. Um so then wh- where does a, like where does a church like a structured program small group come into that? Is it is is the small group a a launch pad or a proving ground for kind of forming those relationships that eventually transcend and go beyond the small group?
0: I, I think it can. I th- I think you have to you have to give some vision to that, right? You have to tell people, think about what you're going to need in five years, relationship-wise. Yeah, you, know, you have your spouse, your kids are growing up. You know, Dave and Natalie had kids that were just a little older than ours. We were, we were in a life stage that was the same. And we're still in the life stage that's the same. Her kids are grown, their kids are grown, you know, our kids are grown. Um, but... That I think is is kind of you have to find some s- synergy with people, um, and uh, small groups give you the opportunity to find those. And it, you know, it may be you'll you'll be in three or four small groups, and and they'll suddenly you'll develop a core of people that are the people that are that are there. Um, you know, part of part of small groups is also learning to deal with the loss. People move away, mm-hmm. people move to other churches or whatever. Um, there were, you know, when it, we when we were in small group early on back at, it was in Skyline View Church back in the '90s. Um, Skyline View Church went through a lot of stuff. Um, the biggest of which was the senior pastor leaving and going and planting a church nine miles away, which split the church in half. Yeah, a lot of people went went to there and a lot of people stayed, but it was it was a huge shift. Dave and Natalie were some of the people that stayed with us. Mm-hmm. Um, so from that perspective, I, I just think that you know you you have to develop those those relationships. I think when you think about it, I think if everybody thinks about there are people that they have those relationships, whether they formed in the context of a small group or serving in a ministry team together, you know, doing kids worship together or doing, um, you know, whatever music ministry together, uh, you, you form those relationships with people. Um, and I think those are the key discipling relationships because you, you live life together.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, so I, we've talked about this a lot. I, I, continue to work through, well, this will get a little shop talky, but I am the pastor of discipleship here, and <laughs> it's my job to think through this stuff a lot and think through the, the role of small groups in churches in the past that I've been involved with, uh, done this job in, this is the third time I've done basically this job in a church, uh, you know, the, the main... Practice, uh, practice. Yeah, right? Well, <laughs> uh, I wish I could say I've gotten better at it, but... Um, the main mandate that's been handed to me is kind of usually centered around small groups, um, small group participation. My last church was larger than l- twice as the size of our church here. And so, uh, they did the semester based thing. And part of it was like, no one knows anybody. Like the idea of every four months having a new round of small groups was almost just like, otherwise, how would anyone know who anyone else is? And I guess that's an important initial box to check off in forming a community. But um here at HBIC uh well to be frank like small group participation percentages are not very high um and you could be of a couple minds in that way you could say well how do we get more people into a small group but I I have more kind of stepped back from asking that question and said well to your point, Jay, small groups are not necessarily an end in themselves. <laughs> the biggest win out of out of a small group would be that someone forms those lifelong relationships that they can follow Jesus together and walk alongside one another and support. A lot of our folks, a lot of the folks that aren't signing up for a small group, already have those relationships or have the those potential people in their lives, people in their lives that they could have that relationship with. So one of my instincts almost is to say, You know, we're going to offer these small groups periodically and hope that you would consider joining one. But also take a look at your life. Take a look at the people that you are close with. Um, What could it look like for you to add a layer of kind of intentional living and discipleship to that existing relationship? Or maybe there's someone you feel called to walk in that way with that you aren't yet. Um, Forget. The, this is becoming an anti-small groups plug, which <laughs> is, is classic me and not something I should probably do. But, um, you know, forget the formal offerings and all these different things, you know. More organically, more integrated into, you know, the existing rhythms and relationships of your life. Who are the folks that you should be journeying alongside right now? Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like skipping a step <laughs> or encouraging people to say, like, you know, rather than going to a small group to find this, it's very possible you already have it. You know, not in every case, but... um.
0: I think culturally we've just gone through this huge disruptor with COVID. Um, Because there was a programmatic small group program going on when COVID hit. And it just got electrocuted by COVID and you know and you and you then you came in and you know what Woody what do you retired Hank came in you came in and now we're trying to refind our footing um
1: yeah and I don't know what it was like before but certainly now post-covid there's not a huge appetite for like sign me up for the program yeah,
0: yeah. well and, and I and I think there's what's interesting I think we have also have the the kind of the fellowship dinner the fellowship group thing that goes on um we had a lot of fun with doing that last year rather and and from a small group perspective, we just kind of jumped in with EB's just this year, but, um,
1: plug Chris and LeVon EB Tuesday (laughs) nights, midtown, old uptown.
0: Yep. Yep. Very like, laid back. Yeah, that, that's the way to think about it. Very laid back. It's been great to get to know them yeah. a little better, though.
1: Especially when Kurt's there. Very laid back. Uh,
0: oh, Kurt! Kurt is the Kurt is the uh, is the rhythm section of that band. So uh, <laughs> he he always has he always has some interesting way of think thinking or or, or making a point. So it's always fun to listen. Um, yeah, it's it's so I mean the, but I think it's a both hand. I guess what I'm saying is, is that, and um, though know, you can find those relationships you're looking for, that I, well, you may not be looking for them yet, but you need them. Um, you can find those relationships in either context. Mm-hmm. It's more more about basics of relationship building and spending time with people, yeah. um, not at home, on your computer, on, you know, or whatever. Um, zoom and digital meeting stuff is i i are business related things in my head i try to avoid them i don't don't even use i don't have facetime i don't have an apple device but even when i had one i never liked them um you know when you're when you're remote from people and you have to meet with them and it's better it's nice to be able to see face to face and see reactions and understand the body language but if you can be face to face, if you can be in the same room, there's something more about that.
1: Hundred percent. Yeah, one of the things I'm trying to promote with all of our groups is eating together. Yeah. <laughs> as well as much as possible, even if it's a tray of cookies, but yeah, just
0: yeah, you showed up to eat with us, right?
1: That's true. There's going to be good snacks. Snack. <laughs> I showed up. We have. A, I'm in a life group that um, we started meeting in September. Um, every Friday night, there's a. If everyone shows up, you have 15 kids running around and 12 adults and it's chaotic and we're not getting into deep Greek exegesis of the Bible every week necessarily, but trying to get into a rhythm, which has been a nightmare in the winter with all the kid diseases going around, but uh, a nightmare uh, in that way. But getting into a rhythm on Friday nights of being together, having dinner together. One time a guy in our group was playing a show with the band he had. So that Friday night we went and saw him play instead and just kind of getting in the rhythm over the course of the year in a cool way. That was not something that was advertised at Hpic That was just kind of someone from that group initiated and, and tapped shoulders of people. He felt like, hey, we have a relationship. We've been uh, challenged by the way you follow Jesus and, and uh, think it would be really good to formalize that a little bit, make a commitment. You know, that we're going we're gonna to commit our Friday nights to being together, um, to praying together. Um, it's been cool. I think it's still growing, and, and we're still figuring out what exactly it looks like. Um, yeah, I think it is a both and. I, I think how it is at HBIC is just, it's never going to be, and this is fine and good, it's never going to be, here's the one way that we do small groups and everyone sign up for this. Maybe in a prior time, that would have been the more the case. I'm not even sure that's the case. Part of the DNA of this church is diversity. And I think that extends in a lot of different ways, including how we live out our faiths and the type of lives that we're living. So many folks here are involved in so many really good things in the church, outside the church. Our church does so many different types of things. Never mind when they're just volunteering and doing other things or their job is ministry or or could be construed that way um so that's why for me it's more like i would love for you to be in an HVIC small group but also there are a thousand other ways people at HVIC are following Jesus in discipleship and so how do we do that together
0: well and i and i think um another i mean another way of going about this is is when you work side by side at something so um you know, Christian and I knew each other before we came here. I didn't know Christian went to this church. Kim and I walked in.
1: Christian Pierce.
0: Christian Pierce. Yeah. Um, didn't know Lael, never met her before. Met Christian because we both volunteered for a software conference 10 plus years ago. He, his company was a sponsor of it at the time. Um, and, you know, I walked in here. I see, oh, that's Christian. And so I went, we went and talked. and But then working On work here with him. We upgraded the network. We've done stuff with the computers. We're kind of helping. We're now we've now actually formed an organization called the Digital Operations Team, which that's not necessarily have to be part of this discussion, but it's one more thing. But I, but in this in the context of working beside someone on a common task, um, you get to know people. You, You you know, you're you're working you you. You learn to trust people. You learn to understand what they like and what they don't like. You know, um, that's at Cedar Campus. I got to know the guy that I said I've been friends with for since 1980s. We worked side by side every day for a summer and then more times after that. But um, working beside people, learning what they're, quirks are their their sense of humor whatever um that's an intimacy you don't get to have unless you spend time beside somebody
1: yeah serving together is is huge i mean that was jesus's paradigm in a lot of ways for discipleship was um yeah let's throw all these guys into the fire and let's serve together and, and figure that out um and so often that's that's what it looks like. That's a huge part of discipleship. Yeah, um, I think he, it, we can easily turn the word discipleship into we we can con- connotate it with uh, Bible study, sitting in a circle talking to one another, um, and that that can be. Um, but yeah, serving, doing something, and for a lot of people, that's going to be exactly how they need to engage with other Christians, you know, or how they already are. I mean, people are serving in a in a hundred ways in our church. Never mind outside of it. Like I said. You know, my mind starts turning. How do we, I don't know, it's not even make that discipleship. How do we make people more conscious of the ways they're following Jesus together in those ways? You know, layering on, something as simple as layering on prayer. You know, weaving prayer into food pantry or the outreach team or whatever it may be, ELL. Um, Yeah, stuff I think about and in 10 years time we'll hopefully do something about it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I I I think t- being knowing someone over time yeah probably is kind of the fundamental piece in the in what context is probably less important than it is knowing and being with them and, s- and spending time together. And I think that's part of why we have you feel you feel like it's kind of disjointed here because of the diversity of the of the people that attend here um, it's just we have so little in common with some people mm-hmm. you know um, so, you know sub- old suburban white guy and young inner city kid there's not I mean other than we get up in the morning we eat and we you know go to bed. We don't share a lot of a lot of opportunities to be together, and so when that happens, it's extraordinary. It's not not normal mm-hmm. um, for either 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 person, right? You know, we, so um, so we're synthesizing
1: <laughs> yeah a,
0: a social fabric here that wouldn't exist in any other context,
1: right? And you you can cut that so many different ways too. I mean, you've got. A preponderance of college students. You've got young, married folks in their mid or late twenties that don't have kids. That is a distinctly different type of life than the person in their late thirties with young kids. You know what I mean? Then you got retirees, and you got people that work in human services, and you've got people that work in food services, and you've got—I mean, it, every church to some degree, hopefully, represents a cross section of 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 people. Um I mean one issue and you're I'm sure you're familiar with this, but you know in the the small group movement of the you know eighties nineties two thousands very much tied up in um mega church in this uh kind of philosophy that came out of Saddleback church with Rick Warren and other places where i mean the the philosophy of this church- of these types of churches was to do um to like minimize the, the amount of different programs you're doing. So if like a church wants to have a hundred percent small group participation, they'll get to the point where, well, that's the only thing we do is small groups. But those churches also tend to start with a charter. I mean, Rick Warren said this very explicitly, right? Um, draw on a napkin, Who like your target person. Um, so here's Johnny and Judy, S- mix Suburban, and their two kids and their dog, and they're in their thirties. Um, And they, I'm not making fun of Rick Warren. He's literally, I'm pretty sure it was him that's like (laughs) demonstrated this. If you want, but it's the homogenous unit principle, right? If you want to have a church um, that grows successfully and and big um, and has a lot of involvement in things like small groups, you know, you kind of target a similar type of person and the church tends to reflect that. Um, Mercifully, a lot of churches are not (laughs) homogenous units. It is harder, um, but it's, it's better and it's more reflective of the kingdom of God. Um, and we see that DNA here to some degree and hopefully we'll see it more and more of all the different ways that we're diverse. Um, but that just also then means like what following Jesus looks like here. Um, today, 2024 in Harrisburg, just, it's going to look so many different ways, which is cool. Uh, but a headache for me.
0: (laughs) Well, it's, you know, When the board asks
1: me what I'm doing, I'm like, I wish I knew.
0: Well, but I, I, I I think you are in a way doing something. What you're, what you're doing is you're saying, look, everything's not going to be the same for everybody, because everybody's not the same. Guess what? Yeah. (laughs) Um, And you know, you know, if if the board, and I don't think they are, but if they were driven by numbers. You know, we have 34%. That's not enough, Ryan. You need to be at 56% or whatever in small groups. Never
1: said anything even anywhere like that. Right, so but, I, but I'm
0: just saying, if that's how yeah. they were thinking, they wouldn't be happy with this. Mm-hmm. But the question is, is you know, are we growing? And who are we growing in who we serve? Are we serving more people in the community? Um, financially, apparently... People are happy with what's going on because we never seem to be short of resources like every other church I've ever been in, Mm -hmm. Um, big or small. I mean, I've been in other churches that had $700,000 annual budgets, and they were still crying about needing more money. Um, So, you know, that's – to me, the fact that HPIC is well-resourced, and, you know, yeah, it's not – linear across the population there's a lot of people who can't do much there's also a lot of people who are pouring their hearts into this place and and their money and their you know prayer time and their service and their you know so it's it's to me that's the model is are people engaged in the ministry of the church that's probably more of a measure than how many people are in small groups
1: sure and in all those different ways that they're engaged are they to to your point um engaged in deepening relationship with one another over time right you know in that kind of crucible this whole place is a hopefully a crucible a holy (laughs) spirit crucible in some way where or a uh maybe a crucible like a pot of stew Right, yeah, and, yeah. and Lord willing, over the course of time, the uh, carrots are softening and the <laughs> broth is thickening.
0: Well, in a lot of ways, it's it's actually goes further. It's it's more the stone soup, right? Everybody brings what they've got mm-hmm. to make it work. It's not it's not like one person came in here. You know, it's not like Woody stood up, whatever forty years ago, and said, "This is what I see. Let's do it." It was. What do you got, Cedric? Come on over here. What do you got? And, you know, and he brought in the components that make us what we are. Yeah. Um,
1: Which is, I mean, I, I think that's got to be pretty endemic to diversity, and and that's what the church ought to be. I think it ought to be the sum total of the people involved and the people in the room. Yeah. Metaphorically speaking. So how do we? Go about discipleship in a way that honors that, <laughs> and comes along behind and beside in support of that.
0: And, I, and one of the, one of the things we've talked about that we didn't really talk about yet today is, uh, is part of discipleship is the idea of mentorship, um, rather than just the peer to um, peer. We're in the same life, you know, life session or you know, or life whatever segment. Whatever you know, we're young adults with children, we're young adults without children, we're college graduates or, or or in college or whatever, whatever life stage. There we go. That's the word I was looking for. Whatever life stage you're in, you know, you, you there's people are gonna work with you're gonna work with that are gonna be that in that same life stage that you're gonna support each other and build some of those relationships with. But the other part that I think we need to look at is is who is helping you who's more advanced, farther down the line in life, in their in their relationship with God or whatever, that can help you reach, you know, some additional level of intimacy with God. Um, sometimes that's impersonal. It's a book. It's a somebody you hear speaking. You know, um, people that influence you that way, but. There needs to be someone who's more. Have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? What can I? What can I help you with? You know, can I? What are you reading? What do you, do you want? You want to read something interesting? Try this. You know, uh, that kind of. Um, I mean, they can be a, someone who's working beside you in ministry, but it can also just be someone that you know. You know, one of the things I, I learned way back at Skyline View there was, when I was there, when we were there in the early 90s, there were several people that were the founding board members from the church were still there, um, and I remember one of the guys stood up, and he, and he got permission from the pastor, and he said, you guys don't know this, what, when John came here, he was a young, he was a youth pastor, it was John, John Wright, who you probably know well, um, you know, John Eisenhower was this older man. He said, you know, I just, John and I have this thing. We go down and we have coffee and we talk because he needs someone to talk to who's kind of been there and done some of this stuff. And, you know, just as a objective person, he can talk to and, and ask questions and talk about things that are on his mind. And I think everybody who's on a path to maturity needs that Uh, you know or maybe maybe they have multiple maybe there's over time there's multiple people that that different phases of life but those kind of people that you find that you say yeah i want to i want to listen to what they have to say yeah because they've been on this road
1: the way i've delineated it in some of our discipleship materials is yeah identifying in your own life who's ahead of it's an imperfect metaphor because don't you don't want to use like a head and behind language necessarily about discipleship but it's imperfect granted
0: spiritually older
1: spiritually older <laughs> and we mean older in a, <laughs> in a positive sense <laughs> um, our culture tends to think of old as, as negative but uh, not not every culture does um, spiritually older spiritually younger spiritually uh, your peer Um you know who in your life has walked more of the path and could pour into you in those ways. Who's in the same stage of life as you right now that it's important to have that kind of fellowship with, and who you know who's a, who's fresh to this that you are, um, you could invest in. I think if all of us answered that question and committed in different ways and times in their life, maybe we have a a peer group like I have a peer group I'm meeting with on Friday nights. Um, then I just need to check the box and say, okay, well, who's, who's pouring into me then besides Jay Mumper? And then who, who am I turning around and investing in? If we all answered that question, man, we would be gangbusters in terms of like growing in Christ, seeing new people, um, growing in Christ and coming to know him. Um, yeah, I think that would be huge. Yeah.
0: That's your next presentation to the board.
1: Is it? <laughs> <laughs> I uh, next Thursday. So there we go. I'll write it okay, down. Okay. Well, that's that. that um, I mean,
0: I certainly think that that's that's the basic model. Yeah. That you probably need to pursue. Mm-hmm. Um, where we go beyond that is
1: oh. to the, yeah the kingdom of God, Lord mm-hmm. willing. Yeah. Jay, thanks for your thoughts. That's sure. Good. This is fun. Yeah you're great Next not nearly
0: as intimidating as I thought it might be
1: everyone thinks that I w- you <laughs> should do a testimonial plug of uh, I'm Jay Mumper and I think you should uh, sit down for the pl- everyone's uh, I'm surprised at their initial hesitation uh, but then once we sit down and start talking everyone's like oh this is totally this is normal yeah. for the most part unless they don't like talking to me <laughs> I can't get wow. around that one unfortunately wow. why would
0: they not like talking to I don't
1: know I mean every you know even someone with all the so, all my social graces every once in a while you <laughs>
0: <laughs> ah that's a problem okay
1: <laughs> encounter someone that's just on a different wavelength um but yeah you heard it here first jay mumper says it's not as intimidating and and strange as he thought it would be it's no sweat come on down to the podcast people